Welcome back to Spoiler Free Wrestling, everyone. I'm the I Guy, and we are talking Clash of Champions 2019. It took place last night from the Spectrum Center in Charlotte, North Carolina. 11 matches were on the show, and we will go in reverse order, starting with the Universal Championship match between Seth Rollins and Braun Strowman. So Braun Strowman was once again not able to win his first world title in WWE. He took the loss here. The end of the match came when Strowman went for a move off the top rope, missed. Rollins hit him with the pedigree, then hit him with four curb stomps and got the win. So the end was kind of Rollins got the win, but he had to perform his finisher multiple times and he even had to perform Triple H's finisher once just to be able to be uh, to defeat the big man. But the real story of the show took place in the very final seconds before Clash of Champions went off the air. Rollins was heading to the back with his title after the victory. Looked like he was going to celebrate on the ramp as oh so many champions do to close out a pay-per-view. Only when Rollins attempted to do it this time, the lights went out. Bray Wyatt's creepy music played, and then The Fiend showed up. And I can't remember what exactly he did. He might have given him the sister Abigail. It seemed like he just posed with a beaten Seth Rollins for a while. And that's our main event for the next pay-per-view. For Hell in a Cell, we've got The Fiend Bray Wyatt versus Seth Rollins. Rollins has no unfinished business with Braun Strowman at this point. They're not still the Raw Tag Team Champions. He beat them clean. There's nothing Strowman has to complain about being screwed out of the title. I was Strowman's title shot, and he lost. So he's out of the title picture, and now Bray Wyatt will face the Universal Champion at Hell in a Cell. An interesting note on this. There are some fans complaining about Wyatt receiving this title shot. And that makes sense. Wyatt has only wrestled one match in the last year on WWE programming. And that was at SummerSlam when he defeated Finn Balor. So if this was AEW, for instance, and they wanted to stay consistent with their sports-centric booking, some fans would say Wyatt hasn't earned a title shot. And that might be true. But they explained why Wyatt is receiving the Universal title match. And the explanation they gave is consistent with how title shots are very often given out in real combat sports, such as MMA or boxing. Wyatt issued a challenge to the winner of Seth Rollins and Braun Strowman in the build-up to Clash of Champions on an episode of the Firefly Funhouse. So basically, Wyatt challenged Seth or Braun, and then the Vince McMahon puppet, the one with the devil horns and what have you now, came up and said, hey, listen, pal, Seth Rollins and Braun Strowman, those are our two most marketable stars, yada, yada, yada. 
And then Wyatt turned to the camera and go and said something along the lines of, yes, but I've been making this, you see, and showed a wad of cash. And he fed the cash to Vince McMahon. And after he fed the cash to Vince McMahon, Vince seemed much more open to the idea of Bray Wyatt, Wyatt challenging for the universal title. So what WWE communicated in that moment was Wyatt might not be the best challenger in terms of his win-loss record over the last year, having only wrestled in one match, albeit he won it. But in both boxing and MMA, nobody can argue that very often it is the most marketable star who gets a title shot as opposed to the one who's earned it in the ring or in the octagon. And fans of other more non-fictional sports, combat sports, such as boxing or MMA, they often complain when this is the case. Like when Brock Lesnar was going to receive a heavyweight title shot against Daniel Cormier, despite having not fought in years. But the UFC would have done that. Because in the end, they're a business, and that fight would have made them a lot of money. So what was communicated to fans on this episode of the Firefly Funhouse was that, yeah, maybe Wyatt hasn't earned the title shot, but he's making a lot of money. And that's why Vince McMahon who's the CEO of WWE, has put this match together. It's not unrealistic because we see it happen all the time. I mean, it is unrealistic in that Bray Wyatt seems to be a psychotic murderer in need of um, of being institutionalized. <laughs> um, actually, when Wyatt was away from WWE... He was sort of building up the idea on Twitter that his character had been institutionalized. He had put out some tweets which more or less insinuated that he was in some type of asylum. But anyway, that's what the main event for next month is going to be. Bray Wyatt versus Seth Rollins. I imagine they would put this in a Hell in a Cell. Hell in a Cell seems like an appropriate match for Bray Wyatt. And he keeps saying, see you in hell. So I have to imagine Wyatt and Rollins is going to be in the cell. And then you have a question of who wins that match? I don't think The Fiend can be beaten right now. But you can make the same argument for Seth Rollins. You could say, well, they've had Seth Rollins beat all the top guys. They just had him beat Braun Strowman. Before that, they had him beat Brock Lesnar at SummerSlam. He's beating everybody. You're just going to have him lose to somebody else after beating those two top guys? Yeah, I think that is what could happen. You know, who knows? But Bray Wyatt is has got more buzz surrounding him than possibly any other WWE superstar. And it appears that by some metric, WWE has been able to notice his buzz, whether that's through merchandise sales, YouTube views, TV ratings, or whatever 
they measure the success of a wrestler by. Bray Wyatt is hitting that. And that's why he's getting a title shot, both in storyline and real. The real storyline that Bray Wyatt is getting a title shot because he fed Vince McMahon all this money is also the the real storyline is the the fictional storyline as well. Bray Wyatt's making money for the company, so he's getting a title shot. That's the reason he's getting a title shot, both in real life and fiction. And there's no reason to not go all the way with The Fiend, with Bray Wyatt's character. And we had talked about this previously. Bray Wyatt is never going to be hotter than he is now. Most likely, unless he totally reinvents himself again sometime in his career and his character, his new character gets over as well or better than his current one. But that would be a pretty tall tale. Wait, no, that's not how you said tall tale, tall task. Bray Wyatt's fans love the shit out of this character. And it's very possible that this character could be the universal champion come October. Come October, when the big wrestling war has started, it's very possible and in fact probable that Bray Wyatt will be, I mean, he probably already is, but one of the most major players in wrestling right now. His fiend character, the switch from Bray Wyatt backwoods preacher to this dual personality, whereas I understand it, he has gone away, received some treatment, and bottled up all of his darkness and negative emotions and put those into the fiend. And the yowie wowie Bray Wyatt is what's left over hanging out in the Firefly Funhouse. It's one of the most unique characters ever, ever. And it's fixing to play a much larger role in WWE programming, at least on Raw. And so that's another thing. You've got Paul Heyman behind this character. Paul Heyman and Bray Wyatt and The Fiend. What can those three come up with? We're going to find out. And it should be pretty interesting. All right. So that was the main event. Seth Rollins versus Braun Strowman. And of course, it sets up what I'm assuming will be the main event of Hell in a Cell. Bray Wyatt versus Seth Rollins. The match before that, we had Roman Reigns versus Eric Rowan. And this was very, I well, I felt that this match was very similar to matches that Roman Reigns and Braun Strowman would have, where it's basically this King Kong movie where you have these two beasts are just hitting each other with everything. And they, you know, Rowan put Reigns through a table. And, and I mean, they were doing all sorts of stuff in this match, hitting each other with the steel steps. But the end of the match came. They were on the outside. Roman charged at Rowan. And you didn't really get a good look at it at first, but somebody who kind of looked like Rowan ran past Rowan and hit Roman with a boot. And when the camera finally caught a glimpse of who this person was, it was Luke Harper. 
Luke Harper, who reports had come out saying, we'll never see Luke Harper in WWE again. Vince McMahon doesn't want to use him. Well, whatever happened, they appear interested in using him now. And and Bray Wyatt has even come out and said he has sort like in a tweet, Bray Wyatt said, I'm working on it in response to somebody who said Luke Harper should be a part of your Firefly Funhouse Act. So to me, that signified that Bray Wyatt is backstage pushing for Luke Harper's return. We didn't we haven't seen Luke Harper return in relation to the fiend, but we did see him realign with Eric Rowan. And these two, of course, were in the Wyatt family. And then they were the um, the Bludgeon Brothers. They came out with very large hammers and stuff. That was kind of cool, I guess. And so Harper hits Roman with the boot. This allows Rowan to pin Roman. And Harper and Rowan are reunited now. So it seems like Daniel, I mean, Daniel Bryan was nowhere here. Wasn't involved in in this match at all. So perhaps Daniel Bryan is moving on to another storyline or another angle without him ever having faced Roman as part of this angle. I think. I don't remember. I mean, maybe on live events. And now, so and now Rowan's got a singles victory over Roman Reigns. That's a big victory on our rankings. That puts him number one on the SmackDown rankings. But we don't really, I mean, uh, Rowan's probably going to stay in this rivalry with Roman for a little while, and the Knicks' number one contender to Kofi's title will probably be decided some other way. Actually, now that I think about it, WWE announced the draft for the second week of October. And when's Hell in a Cell? Hell in a Cell 2019 is oh is October 6th wow Hell in a Cell is soon Hell in a Cell is just three weeks away and Hell in a Cell will take place before the next draft so in terms of Kofi who he faces for the WWE title next that's not clear but Rowan with the win here over Roman Reigns I would have to imagine that Roman is going to want revenge somehow it's just a matter of does he go after Rowan and Harper does he just go after Harper who knows we probably won't find that out until Smackdown this week but that was the semi main event with Rowan defeating Roman Reigns and the second biggest moment of the evening which was Luke Harper returning to WWE So we've got Luke Harper's contract as expiring in uh, like next spring. So we put it at April 2020, but it's a little unclear because his contract was originally supposed to expire this fall, but then WWE added additional time onto it. So I'm thinking they added until about April which would take him to WrestleMania. And that's usually around when WWE wants their contracts expiring. So that leads me to believe 
that Harper won't be a free agent until next WrestleMania. So, I mean, he's got months and months left. Well, he's got like eight months um, in WWE. I doubt very much they're going to re-sign him. It seems... It doesn't seem like he would want to re-sign after having to publicly ask for his release because he's not being used. It, it seems like it would be hard for him to have a lot of faith in the company. So I would imagine Luke Harper is down to his last eight months in the company. It'll be interesting to see what he does. All right, before that, the ninth match of the evening was for the WWE Championship. Kofi Kingston defeating Randy Orton to retain the WWE championship. So Kofi is the longest reigning champion on the main roster, probably just in WWE if I look at it, but he has now defended his title nine times on WWE programming since winning the title from Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania 35. That beats out everybody by a fair amount. The next highest is Becky Lynch, who has also held her title since WrestleMania. She's only defended it five times on WWE programming, however. And that's about it. So basically, yeah, Becky and Kofi are the only two champions on the main roster who have been who have had their titles since WrestleMania. They both won those titles at WrestleMania. So championships are changing hands quickly in WWE these days. So as for what is next for Kofi and what is next for Randy, not too sure. I mean, this was a, a clean win for Kofi after they had sort of a non-finish at SummerSlam where there was a double countout. So if you were going to put Kofi versus Randy at Hell in a Cell in three weeks, that would be their third time facing each other in a row on pay-per-view. Not saying that they can't do that, but it seems weird with Kingston having one cleanly here. There was no controversy. Just beat him with the trouble in paradise. So we'll see in terms of, I mean, they then have to come up with who the next challenger for Kofi is in sort of short order in kind of three weeks. However, somebody is going to win the King of the Ring tonight. That would be either Chad Gable or Baron Corbin. So we already know what the universal championship match is at Hell in a Cell. Maybe if Chad Gable wins the King of the Ring, he'd get a chance at the, the WWE championship at Hell in a Cell. So that's one possibility is that Chad Gable could challenge Kofi. That seems like sort of an odd pay-per-view match, though. They're both good guys. Uh, but you could do Kofi versus Randy again. There could be something there. Uh, er, you, you could do Kofi versus Rowan after Rowan defeated Roman Reigns and then do Roman versus Luke Harper as sort of a, a match that's about revenge. So it's tough to say. I mean, in terms of challengers for the WWE title, there's not many. I mean, Elias is injured. The Miz lost to Shinsuke last night. Um, Ziggler's on SmackDown, but he's now one half of the Raw champions. Like Shane McMahon, maybe? Ali? Buddy Murphy? Alistair Black? There's not a lot of names there that you could put 
up against Kofi in just three weeks' time. They're going to have to do something to determine a new challenger. Or maybe Kofi won't defend his title on the, uh, on the pay-per-view. You could also do something like where if the Revival agree to give Xavier Woods and Big E a rematch, if Kofi agrees to give Orton a rematch. That's... There's a few different things that could happen, but basically the WWE title picture is up in the air as we move closer to Hell in a Cell, which, again, just three weeks, October 6th. So before that, we had Sasha Banks versus Becky Lynch, and Sasha Banks would win the match, but not the title as Becky Lynch got herself disqualified. Banks introduced the chair into the match, but it would be Lynch who would grab it and look to use it. She swung that chair at Sasha Banks, missed and hit the referee. The referee was hit in the midsection. He was then down for what Corey Graves said must have been like an hour. And we were alerted on commentary that it had been a disqualification win for Sasha Banks. So that should mean we get this title match again. That should mean Sasha Banks is still owed a championship match against Becky Lynch. We could get that at Hell in a Cell, with Hell in a Cell just being three weeks away. Seems seems likely that we could get Sasha Banks versus Becky Lynch with some type of stipulation to prevent Lynch from getting disqualified again. So maybe inside a Hell in a Cell, maybe in a no DQ match. We could find all that out tonight on Raw. So we'll just have to see. But Becky Lynch, still the Raw Women's Champion. She has been that since WrestleMania 35. Sasha Banks looks like she will get another shot at the title. The seventh match of the evening was for the Intercontinental Championship and featured Shinsuke Nakamura along with Sami Zayn defeating one of the greatest Intercontinental Champions of all time, The Miz. Uh, I say that because if The Miz wins the Intercontinental Championship again and then holds it for 20 days or something like that, like three weeks, like not much time at all, he will pass Pedro Morales' record for the most combined days spent with the Intercontinental title, which I think is like 618 or something like that. They never mentioned that <laughs> during the match. Nakamura would win. He would gain the advantage from some outside distractions from Sami Zayn. Zayn also provided a distraction which prevented the ref from counting after Miz had hit Nakamura with this skull-crushing finale. So... Nakamura retains the title. It wasn't without controversy, however, so it's possible The Miz could get a, a rematch. But this pairing of Nakamura and Zayn with Zayn as the mouse, mouthpiece for Nakamura, so far so good for the pair as they retain the Intercontinental Championship. We saw on SmackDown last week, Sami Zayn get chokeslammed by The Undertaker. You almost have to wonder if there might be a payoff to that somewhere down the line. Could 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 the Undertaker wrestle Sami Zayn at some point? Seems like that would probably be a fun and easy match for the Undertaker. Maybe more fun than his match against the Goldberg in Saudi Arabia. 
Then before that, the sixth match of the evening, Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross defeated Faya and Desire, Sonya Deville and Mandy Rose. And it was Nikki Cross getting the pin on Mandy Rose in that match. So the women's tag team division soldiers on. But you kind of have to wonder what's going to happen to the women's tag team division with SmackDown's move to Fox. And what I mean is, it's expected that the brand split after the Knicks draft will be a much harder split. And you won't have the wild card rule. You won't have superstars from Raw going to SmackDown and so on. That might affect the women's tag team championships the most because they're not assigned to any one brand. So it's not really clear if the champions are going to switch around from brand to brand all the time. Those titles had also been teased as going to NXT. I don't believe they ever have. But it's it's possible if those titles are getting lost in the shuffle, we could see them in NXT. That's just speculation. We could see them go to one of Raw or SmackDown. But it doesn't look like we're going to get the titles on both Raw and SmackDown anymore. At some point, they'll have to assign these titles to a brand, and that means no women's tag teams on the other show. I guess we'll just have to wait and see on that and see which show does what with their tag team division. But Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross... They're sort of continuing this trend of, um, I mean, it's basically an odd couple pairing between Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross. So it feels like these women women's tag titles are basically just a prop to film this little misfit sitcom between these two. But they defeated Fire and Desire with Nikki Cross getting the pin uh, with like a neck, a draping neck breaker kind of thing onto Mandy Rose. Before that, the Revival won the SmackDown Tag Team Championships, and this is also relevant as it concerns the future of the brand split because the Revival are from Raw, and they just won the SmackDown titles. And they are increasingly aligned with Randy Orton right now. And that's really the perfect role for the Revival, is to be the tag team in sort of a three, four, five-man unit that also has a, a singles competitor, maybe a cruiserweight, maybe a bodyguard type thing. But they're the Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard of whatever stable they're in. And I think they like the idea of Randy Orton being their Ric Flair. They had toyed around with the idea of Shane McMahon being their Ric Flair for a little bit. We saw the revival paired up with Shane McMahon and some segments in the back and, and things like that. But now the revival are the SmackDown champion. So very likely we're going to see them more on SmackDown than we do on Raw. And of course, this could all change or it could all stay the same come the second week of October on the draft. So it'll basically be there's the there's the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view on the 6th. Then there'll be a Raw on the 7th. Then the draft is SmackDown on the 11th. And then another draft on Raw on the 14th. 
So right after Hell in a Cell is when this all gets started. And and the first uh, SmackDown on Fox is on October 4th. So you already know this most likely, but as soon as we get into October, the wrestling world gets thrown for a loop even more than it has been since AEW was announced back in January. The fourth match of the evening, Bailey defeated Charlotte Flair in Flair's... I don't think it's her hometown. It's the town she's named after. And this was kind of a short match. Flair came out guns a-blazing and was totally in control in this match. And it looked like Bailey was just having to play defense, having to play defense. And then just minutes into the match, it seemed like, Bailey removed the covering from the bottom turnbuckle grabbed Flair, shoved her face first into the turnbuckle, and then pinned her. Then after the match, there was no waiting around to celebrate or anything like that. She just grabbed her title and sprinted as fast as she could to the back. She would later say on Twitter that she left her hair straightener on, and that's why she ran to the back so fast. But I've got another theory. So on an earlier podcast, we had talked about how at Extreme Rules in 2017, WWE told us a story about Bailey. Bailey had just, she had lost her Raw Women's Championship to Alexa Bliss at the previous pay-per-view. And she was now facing Alexa Bliss in a kendo stick on a pole match. But Bailey hesitated to go for the kendo stick, to hit her opponent with the kendo stick, that allowed Alexa Bliss to gain the advantage and retain her title. And the story on Bailey was she didn't have that killer instinct, that willingness to hurt or harm her opponent needed to be a champion. But now in the last few weeks, now since Sasha Banks has come back and Bailey has realigned with Sasha Banks. We are seeing that killer instinct we are told she didn't have in 2017. That means Bailey's changed. Bailey's character has hit an arc and become something new. And this is what what we saw last night is the new Bailey. And it's the Bailey that wouldn't hesitate to hit Alexa Bliss with a kendo stick to retain her title. And the reason Bailey is still the champion today is because she overcame that arc. She's a different person now than she would. She's a different wrestler now than she was at Extreme Rules 2017. It has to do with Sasha Banks' influence. And that's why she's still the champion. And the sprinting to the back. As soon as she won, she grabbed the title and she sprinted right to the back. And that conveyed that she'd gotten away with something, that she'd cheated, she knew it, she didn't care, she just wanted her title and to get out of there. She didn't care about what people thought about her victory, she didn't care about sportsmanship, she didn't care about her old friend Charlotte, she just cared about winning and keeping the title. And that's the evolution of the Bailey character. Before that match, to kick off the pay-per-view, it was the third match of the evening. 
the first on the pay-per-view, and it was the Raw Tag Team Championship match, and it was Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode defeating Braun Strowman and Seth Rollins to win the title. Robert Roode picked up the win on the on the, in the Universal Champion with the glorious DDT to win the titles. Now, based on booking and some other promotions, that should also qualify Robert Roode to receive a Universal title match, but... Think with the title match coming to Bray Wyatt in three weeks. Yeah, I don't think that's really going to be the way they go. But as as Renee Young pointed out on commentary, Rude and Ziggler weren't even a team a month ago. They entered the tag team turmoil match or gauntlet match, whatever it was a few weeks ago, and they beat everybody. And they scored, I think it, it was as many as like four pins or something in that match. It wasn't like they came in, they were the last team entered, and they and they won a fluke. These guys are undefeated since becoming a team, I think. Or that feels that way. I don't think they've lost. And now they're the Raw Tag Team Champions. So it seems as though Seth and Braun are done as a team. So they're done a, a, as a team. So I, I don't think this new team of Ziggler and Root are going to have to worry about them because Rollins is moving into a program with Wyatt. So he's not also going to be in the tag team title hunt. So then looking at the Raw tag team division, you've got the OC, Carl Anderson, Luke Gallows. And they, I mean, they had won the tag title. They were the ones who lost the tag titles to Seth and Braun. Technically, you've got the Revival in this division, but they're now the SmackDown Tag Team Champions, so that, so I don't think they're going to be in the mix for the Raw titles. You've got the Usos, who have not been around since just before SummerSlam. Uh, Jimmy, Jay, and Naomi have sort of been off the road with WWE. This is just speculation, but perhaps they're they're sort of dealing with a family issue, a family member who's... Uh, dealing perhaps, perhaps, who knows, perhaps with some substance abuse issues, but uh, definitely there was a uh, DUI conviction uh, not long ago, and uh, not and after that the Usos. Okay, so the Usos have wrestled in one match since there was that last DUI, and uh, it was a it was the Raw tag team championship match where Carl Anderson and uh, Luke Gallows won the tag titles. So then, okay. So the week before the Usos had beaten the revival who were the tag team champions. And so that looked like it was setting up for the Usos versus the revival for the raw titles at SummerSlam. But then after that match, uh, Jimmy Uso got arrested for uh, DUI. And they then wrestled that Monday in a triple threat Raw tag team title match. It was the Revival, the Usos, Carl Anderson, Luke Gallows. Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows ended up winning that match. And then we haven't seen the Usos since. So the Usos, um, they could be back soon. We'll see. But they are in the Raw tag team division. You've also got the Viking Raiders who basically just squash, they just win squash, squash matches for the most part. You've got Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins uh, also in the division. The Ascension, though you don't see much of them. The Lucha House Party are sometimes on Raw. Kalisto and uh, 
uh, what is it? Callisto and Grand Metalik. I haven't seen them in a while. They weren't with Lindsay Dorado, who was on the pay-per-view last night receiving a cruiserweight title match. And Grand Metalik and uh, Kalisto had both mentioned on Twitter not long ago that their contracts are up in less than a year. So there could be something going on with Kalisto and uh, Grand Metalik. But regardless... Um, let's just see when was the last time Grand Metalik and, oh, actually, never mind. Grand, uh, Grand Metalik wrestled Rey Mysterio, um, on Raw there. Okay. So like in terms of tag teams, I mean, I think the, the Viking Raiders, the Usos and the OC are all sort of in the mix there for Ziggler and Rude. You know, I think it might be time for the Viking Raiders to get in there and receive a title shot. We'll see. Although the Viking Raiders and the OC have sort of been building a bit of a rivalry as well. So we'll just have to see how things shake up in the raw tag team division. Then that takes us to the pre-show. And the second match of the evening was AJ Styles defeating Cedric Alexander. This was a pretty quick Quick match after Alexander had pinned AJ Styles on Raw. And AJ got his win back here and was made to look like the much more accomplished wrestler between the two. He delivered a Styles clash to Alexander on the outside early and would control most of the match after that, eventually winning it with a Styles clash on the inside to retain his United States Championship. I would imagine that Alexander and Styles, however, have unfinished business. We'll just have to wait and see. They'll both be on Raw tonight, most likely. And in the first match, Drew Gulak retaining the WWE Cruiserweight Championship in a triple threat match. He defeated Humberto Carrillo and Lince Dorado. There was some news this week about the future of 205 Live and the Cruiserweight Championship. Triple H did an interview on, uh, or with Newsweek. And he didn't outright say that 205 Live is more or less done. But it sounds as though we could see the Cruiserweights head more to NXT and live under the NXT umbrella with the Cruiserweight Championship sort of under the NXT umbrella as well. And this sort of coincides with the rumors that SmackDown could move to three hours. At that point, if you're moving SmackDown to three hours, it'd be very difficult to also be filming 205 Live because uh, then you're basically forcing everybody to sit through at least four hours of shows uh, on a weeknight. Or actually, it wouldn't be a weeknight because it would be a Friday, but never mind. Um, but still, uh, we've seen Drew Gulak in NXT and the cruiserweights are sort of a triple H pet project anyway. So it seems to make far more sense to me to have the cruiserweights under the NXT umbrella competing at full sale university, put the cruiserweight title, put cruiserweight title matches on takeover events. That'd be fine. That'd be fine. Maybe lower the weight 
So it's just the smaller superstars competing. Who knows? Who knows what they're going to do? But the cruiserweight title is not going anywhere. Well, it is going somewhere. It's going to NXT, where it it might be treated with more significance than it currently is. And we'll just have to see what happens with the cruiserweight title as well. But that was Clash of Champions. Lots of other events coming up. About to sit down and watch the Destruction shows for New Japan Pro Wrestling. If there's time after that, I'll watch uh, Josh Barnett's Bloodsport. And there was also Victory Road from Impact Wrestling. So a lot of shows this weekend. A lot of shows to check out. Don't forget to visit SpoilerFreeWrestling.com. Check us out on Facebook, on Twitter. There's also our YouTube page as well. Thanks very much, everyone. I'm the iGuy from Spoiler Free Wrestling.